Welcome back to our podcast within a podcast pottering around the secure center for incurably criminal boys of Mangum Reads. We are three muggles who need a fire whiskey after this chapter. My name is Sarah. I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, BJ and Spencer. How are you all doing? After? I needed to drink during this chapter. <laughs> At what point kidding. in the chapter would you have started drinking? Or did you start uh, drinking, Spencer? Uh, pretty much the moment the... Probably the winner of worst character in this entire series shows up, Aunt Marge. The moment she showed up on scene with, you know, a fair amount of warning attached to her, alcohol just was necessary to continue. And you warned me. You did, and I credit you, Sarah, for warning me this would be a rough ride. But, man, this was a tough chapter. I have gotten very strong feelings of, like, family holidays during this point where just copious <laughs> amounts of wine needed to be consumed starting at about 10 o'clock in the morning. Oh. Yeah. Everything about this chapter was, it was a chapter, and it was in the book, so I read it, and well, I think that's the best recommendation that I have. We can talk about why this chapter needed to happen later, um, but we do have some segments that we go through here. We have we a rapid-fire recap. Um, we have BJ's Wizard Wheezes, which I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it, it'll be a thing. It's fine. Um, is it? Is it? No. Um <laughs> Then we have newbies notes from Spencer, and we award house points, and uh, then there are questions. Sounds we good. have a plan. Yes. Uh, this seems like an odd chapter to guess what the length of a synopsis will be for it. So, do you have a thought of what's gonna what it's gonna take? I think it's gonna be just under two minutes. Okay. Hmm. Well, setting the goal at one fifty-eight. Let's see if you can get some extra points for Ravenclaw this week. Okay. All right. In the kitchen the next morning, the Dursleys and Harry are watching the morning news and learn about an escaped armed and dangerous convict, Sirius Black. Vernon, after declaring him obviously a rastabout based on his long hair, is particularly confused when the new the newscaster doesn't provide any details about where Black escaped from. He also has some completely expected views on capital punishment. Anyway, Vernon has to go pick up Aunt Marge from the station. Harry has forgotten this and is horrified that she's coming to stay for a whole week. Um, and Harry is told that he has to say that he attends the St. Brutus's Secure Center for Incurably Criminal Boys. Sensing an opportunity, Harry decides to ask Vernon about the Hogsmeade permission slip. A deal is struck. Harry just needs to last the week. So he goes to pack up all of his wizarding stuff and send Hedwig off with Harold or with Errol, to not arouse suspicion. And then Marge arrives, and I'm not sure anyone was quite prepared for just how awful she actually is. <laughs> Dudley is handsomely paid for Marge liking him, while Harry is forced to deal with her unpleasantness. She not only doesn't treat him like family, but actively attacks his appearance, his family, his purported criminality, and uh, his tone of voice. She is also particularly terrible about Harry's parents, especially his father, who she assumes was unemployed and essentially a lowlife. Harry decides to remember the Hogsmeade form and repeat as much from his new broom care handbook as possible. He makes it to the last night of Marge's visit with only accidentally sh shattering Marge's wine glass once. Luckily, she puts this down to a firm grip. And then, that last night, Marge has a little, Marge has a little too much brandy and begins a very eugenics-based conversation about breeding and Harry's parents. Harry finally starts talking back, and this really gets her going, swelling with anger. Except she's actually swelling. Her whole body starts inflating and lifting from the ground as Vernon and Ripper try to grab hold of her. As she continues to swell, swell Harry takes off to grab his Hogwarts trunk and hauls it out to the street. He's gone into the night. Uh, with an extra 12 seconds for Ravenclaw. Whew. You got that one done quick. 
Well, I'd like to be done with this chapter, quite honestly. <laughs> this <laughs> is a very uncomfortable the, chapter. Probably the most uncomfortable one, I think, in the entire series. Well, I feel like the frying pan-based attempted murder was not the best chapter last book. Uh, it wasn't quite so sustained, like, though. Yeah, that was an off-mention where we also still got to meet, uh, you know, house elves for the first time in that chapter. So this one is just Marge. It's nothing but Marge, and that's a rough thing to focus on. Yeah, she is. Oof. BJ, what do you have for us? Um, so I decided to look up St. Brutus because I figured it could be a thing. Okay. Um, and it essentially isn't other than in the Harry Potter world, but you can get uh, St. Brutus uh, Secure Center for Incurably Criminal Boys t-shirts, and it does have a house uh, cre- or a school crest and everything. Oh, um, I kind of do think that that is probably the best thing to possibly come out of this chapter. Um, I was thoroughly amused by the name of this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, this is this was amusingly creative in my book. Um, I have come to more and more despise like the words that uh, the Dudley seem to make up for their child and how they refer to them. It sort of reminds me of those pet owners that baby talk to their miniature shih tzus or whatever and i don't know it's getting old and less creative i feel like i also feel like what i didn't mention in my recap is that at the very beginning of this chapter we learned that like dudley just keeps eating oh yeah and, and is like, I feel like five part of... <laughs> extra chins yeah i feel like possibly part of the reason for him just continuing to eat is to try to get big enough to not be dealing with these names anymore <sighs> Yeah, he's just going to have to deal with others. I mean, it was kind of entertaining to me that they essentially got a TV for the kitchen so he would stop complaining about the long walk from the kitchen to the den so he could eat without actually having to walk those extra, like, hundred steps. I also feel like this is, like, clearly... (laughs) We don't get many of these moments because Hogwarts obviously doesn't actually have technology in it. Um, mm-hmm. And we don't really spend that much time in the Muggle world, but this is clearly one of those moments where we are pre-streaming services. Yes, very much so. Because um, the, and, the, this problem is mm-hmm. solved now. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I also kind of wonder, like, um, it was kind of a thing when my parents, like, at some point got a TV for, like, the kitchen area. Mm-hmm. And it became, like, a thing that they have sort of from, in general. Um, it. Spencer, I imagine that, like, for the longest time, your parents, like, had one TV in the basement, and it was, like, for only for special occasions. <laughs> we had two. Uh, not, not in the kitchen, though. We had a radio in the kitchen, which we, we would uh, listen to radio or listen to music as we, as we were in the kitchen growing up. Gotcha. We had we did have a TV in the kitchen, um, but we always had, like, a... We always had, like, a... Not formal, but it, we had a living room and a family room. And there was mm-hmm. never a TV allowed in the living room. Hmm. Gotcha. Interesting. Well, you got anything else for us, BJ? Um, no. <laughs> Thank you for your, suffering your, with us, BJ. Your disappointment has been registered. <laughs> I, 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 I tried looking through for, like, entertaining sentences and stuff like that. And, there, you know, there were a couple of things that were clauses upon clauses. But nothing, mm-hmm. nothing really jumped out in this chapter. Other. For the most part. Well, I will anyway, tell like, you, I think you're going to have... Let me get my copy of the book. I think you're going to have a lot to talk... You're either going to love or hate 
the, the coming you, chapters. You will yeah. have thoughts. <laughs> All of the coming chapters. You yeah. are either going to love or hate, I think, particularly chapter four of this book. I'm okay. looking forward to it. I'm excited. But for now, we have a newbie that yes. I, I hear has notes on, I'm curious to hear what. <laughs> I have notes. Uh, I, I must say, BJ, in the many years I've known you, I have never seen you more, def- heard you sound more deflated than that little <laughs> no you just said. It's like, BJ, anything more to add? No. <laughs> You're done. Um, but for me, one of the first things I did was something you guys just talked about, but is Dudley getting fatter with every book? I mean, they explicitly say he's up to five chins. That is a fat kid. Uh, I mean, there's a clear explanation for it now that he has no reason to ever leave the kitchen and just keep shoveling things into his, you know, mouth hole. But at a certain point, there's going to be a, a deadly heart disease chapter about three books from now, I think. I have a feeling that J.K. Rowling is not quite familiar with the term flanderization um, <laughs> and thoroughly participates in that trope. Uh, she's either not familiar or is happily embracing it because these characters have become characters of what were already caricatures. Um, I will say that this trajectory, steep upward trajectory does change at some point, but not for the better. Dudley goes to fat camp or something at some point in this? Just wait. Okay, we'll find out. Uh, in terms of other things I'm waiting to find out more about, I'm guessing this black black person who is just described as black in this <laughs> i'm <laughs> mocking something bj said off said prior to the cast because it's just his name is just black in here uh but Sir, you said his full name is serious black yes his and you are totally right it's not in the chapter i put that in my notes without even realizing it but it is his name is serious black okay i'm guessing this person is going to be relevant i'm also guessing this person is going to be magically related in some way given the notable absence that uh, vernon calls out that no crime or any other really identifying details are attached to this guy other than his appearance Mm -hmm. they're explicitly hiding a lot of information which is really interesting that this there's this kind of bleed over i mean it seemed like the ministry would have some opposition to this kind of reporting of what i guess one of their criminals occurring in the muggle world that is I would have thought really weird and really what would be, I guess, an exception at best to the rules. So, we'll, uh, Sarah, I'll grill you about that in a minute if you can tell me anything, but it seems like, that seems really strange. I'm going to make the assumption from now on that it's really like Men in Black. Stuff happens (laughs) all of the time and -hmm. it's just like a general thing. It's only when it becomes, like, actually problematic in certain instances is there, like, an intervention, but it happens all of the time. It's what? just, like, part of the, uh, part and parcel to the, the UK system at this point. I, I'm with you on that. I think the Ministry is actively involved at all stages of the game, but this is them working within muggle channels rather than just imposing a magical will on it. They had to you file the a police report. Ministry? That something like that, yeah. This implies some degree of other government connection or, you know, them knowing how it had fill, up, fill out a police report or forge police report documents. Uh, but, yeah, we'll find out more about where that's going. Uh, like, uh, I'm not at all surprised that Vernon is in favor of hanging. I uh, could have called that without even having any context. It's interesting. I just, out of raw curiosity, I looked into it because I didn't assume that capital punishment was even legal in the UK anymore. And it isn't. In fact, the last person that was hanged was in 1964. He was hanged. Uh, by comparison, we've hanged three people in the United States since, and it is still legal to hang people in New Hampshire as a secondary, I'd like to choose this as compared to the alternative method of execution, which did not know that. It also now seems like it's a bit of a Dursley trait that they all just have whack, uh, walking sticks that they, that they have to thwack people with. Because I think this was even part of uh, Dudley's uniform like two books ago, was that, you know, 
he would have his utterly ludicrous costume with a walking stick for the explicit purpose of smacking people around him. I think it was called a and smelting a, stick or something. Of course it has a name. Uh, Marge, of course, has one upon her entrance. Uh, the I'm glad you looked up, BJ, whether the St. Brutus's Secure Center for Incurably Criminal Boys is a thing. Because it's ludicrous, but I could totally picture Britain naming a, something, naming a school like that, just as a matter of course. It is, again, horrible that they've just been telling people that's where Harry goes, but I guess on point for the Dursleys. But in terms of just concentrated Dursley, I don't think I could have imagined Aunt Marge. She is just everything that is appalling about those people rounded into one person. And it's horrible. She is utterly unredeemable. She is just terrifyingly bad. She is... I think, reasonably, the worst person we have yet seen in these books. I mean, she does the, give Percy a run for his money. <laughs> you, you know, Percy is the worst. But Percy, as far as we know, is not engaged in just wanton wholesale animal cruelty other than, you know, like twirling gnomes and throwing them over stone walls. And and what's been prescribed as homework. What was homework? Turning animals into Oh, objects. yes, the snuff, snuff boxes, yes. The, yeah, the mice love it. Uh, this is literally her talking casually about drowning dogs in a tub. This is her discussing constantly over the chapter how more physical violence is needed to children. This is just a really bad person in a way that's not even really comic. She's uncomfortably bad. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I don't really have much more to say about her. I hope we don't spend any more time with her at all because it's not character funny. I can, I can laugh at the Dursleys. I can't laugh at Marge. She's just a really bad person. Um, one person I was really impressed with, though, was Harry. Uh, Harry actually thought up, like, a Hermione kind of plot in terms of how he was going to get this form signed. He set terms, he lobbied for them, he added a degree of emphasis and, you know, threat attached to it, and worked it out. Now, he shot himself in the foot immediately before this chapter was done, in very much Harry Potter, always ready to explode with anger style, but at least credit where it's due that he thought up the plan in the first place. Uh, like you guys, I'd be very happy if we don't get any more Dudley nicknames ever, because Dudders and my nephew Poo, I think, are both new, and I don't want them. Uh, you said, yeah, physical abuse, animal abuse, and these stories, they're way too common. Uh, I will say I'm not one who normally endorses violence or losing your temper, particularly in Harry's situation of where it could screw him over in all kinds of unique ways, but things that Marge says are just reasonable provocation. I mean... Her line about, it's one for the basic rules of breeding. You see it all the time with dogs. If there's something wrong with the bitch, there'll be something wrong with the pup. That earns you a punch in the jaw. There's no other way around that. That is a horrendous thing to say about a person that's standing right there in front of you. Do you, do you guys remember a few years back when Buzz Aldrin just socked a guy for confront, for just like mm, for cornering him? Yeah. The Sarah, have you ever heard that story before? I don't think I have, no. Oh, uh, you should watch the video. It there is, is a video. Amazing. Some I'm dude gonna... basically comes up to Buzz Aldrin, like he... goes off about like the moon landing being fake or whatever. He tricked him into an interview, of where he brought him to an interview under false pretenses. And then when we see it afterwards, Buzz Aldrin tried to politely walk out, and the guy just kept hounding him down the street until finally Buzz Aldrin, American hero, is cornered. Trying, you know, increasingly forcefully, but politely say, would you please just stay stay away from me? Has the guy get right in his face, start to grab him, and say, you're a liar, a coward, and a thief. In which case, Buzz Aldrin, who's like 80-something at the time, just socks him right in the jaw. Instantly. And the dude goes down. It's it's the dude best goes. thing ever. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's this guy's camera crew that's filming him go down. 
uh, and a, the guy brought Buzz Aldrin up on a, on battery charges, and the judge dismissed it, saying that Buzz Aldrin's actions were perfectly reasonable under the circumstances. <laughs> well, I have it so, pulled up. I am going to watch the video as soon as we get done with with our recording. Um, one other thing in this chapter I found interesting is that there's a lot of implication that Harry is now becoming a very competent wizard in a way we didn't necessarily have previously established that he was, you know, learning. Like, we see him use an inflation spell here. Previously, we only saw that done by means of a potion. He doesn't even say any incantation either. It just happens. He doesn't even have his wand on him. So he just yeah. kind of wills I it into talk, being. Did, we're going to learn about this, but I, I want you to know about this now. I don't think it's a big spoiler. This is actually a real problem for Harry, because what this is, is now two years later, him losing control in the way that he lost control when he regrew his hair without knowing about it. And yeah. um, landing say, yeah, on the roof without... Like, this is uncontrolled questions. magic. Yeah. Yes. Right. And it, it's a particularly powerful form of magic. It's yes, doing it things is. he's not learned how to do. Yes. But as you said, it, it seems entirely and dangerously instinctual. He also explodes an object, shatters it, glass shards spreading around the room. Again, no words, no incantation, no waving about mm-hmm. of magic wands. It just happens by will, subconscious will. And that's both simultaneously impressive and terrifying. Like you said, it's a hearkening back to our earliest spells we saw in this book. And it's, I agree, it seems like this is not necessarily a conscious will by Harry, but the implication of his, of his line about, I hadn't exploded many things recently, is that there's a certain element of at least conscious control attached to this, or maybe, or at least being aware of when it happens. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to see it played out. But with respect to those spells, Harry's, you know, dead to rights when it comes to Hogwarts now, right? Like, Ministry previously had an a owl come in through the window when someone else cast a spell in his house. I think it was Dobby did it and, like, pulled over, mm-hmm. dumped over a, a, a monstrous pile of uh, peaches and cream or something. And now he himself has done spells twice in the house without any owl coming in through the door, without any event occurring yet. Is someone just not watching the screen? Is there going to be a blowback later? Because I thought this was like a two-strike system. His last letter was pretty much, if this happens again, you're out of the school and there'll be legal repercussions. Now he's done it twice in the course of like 30 minutes? How is he expecting to go anywhere with that trunk other than some ministry jail or holding cell? I'll be really curious to see how that plays out, but from what he's previously told us and told us in this chapter, he has broken a very fundamental law that is punished utterly draconically. So that's all I got. But uh, yeah, a lot of questions from this chapter and uh, a lot of discomfort attached with them too. Yeah. So we have house oh, points now. Points. This is like not a really good transition. But we have house points house now. House Dursley wins house again. House Dursley. Well, I don't think all of House Dursley wins. Um, but I do have one particular member of the Dursley household who I think has come out just beaming at the end of this chapter. Dudley Dursley has had an exceptional, exceptional oh, week. Yeah. He doesn't have to walk he from have the walk. den to the kitchen. He I mean, that's a win in anybody's he book. He mm-hmm. also, while he doesn't particularly want to deal with Marge, he does not have to deal with her that much, except that she praises him for reasons unknown. And then mm-hmm. he gets paid for it. Oh, yeah. He's an utter defiance of the free hugs campaign. This kid gets, this kid gets $20 per hug. 20 what? pounds. 20 pounds. Sorry, 20 pounds, even more. <laughs> Um, and, you know, he doesn't seem Maybe to like Aunt, Mar- Aunt Marge. <laughs> he doesn't seem to like Aunt Marge anyway. 
And so he gets to guilt-free watch her be blown up by someone he hates who is probably going to be punished for it. This mm-hmm. is great. Oh, yeah. And watch an entire room of people bash on Harry for hours. Mm-hmm. It's, this was just, you know, courtside entertainment to him. Indeed. Um, losers. You know, Marge got blown up, but she'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> Will she? That's the spoiler I'm going to give you. She'll be fine. <laughs> okay. Um, Harry started off this chapter well. We have t- You talked about his very successful plot to get Vernon to sign his permission form. He did blow up his aunt, though, by the end of the chapter. Yeah. He has also run yeah. away with no plan. Mm-mm. And had to endure hours of emotional yeah. emotional trauma and threats of physical abuse yeah. just constantly. This, I, I still think Harry loses this chapter, as he does most chapters where the Dursleys yeah. are involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and even to make the contract come about in a way that, you know, now was irrelevant, he had to send uh, his uh, owl away, Hedwig. Yes. So he's, just, he's alone with a trunk and holding an empty cage, wandering through the streets of outer London. I think we should start tracking Harry's mood and what happens to him when Hedwig is around and when she is not. Because I think she point. has a, I, I don't know this, I've not done this, but I think that she has a buoying effect <laughs> a direct correlation if he has to send Hedwig away it's it's a bad chapter for Harry something is gonna go something is gonna go awry <laughs> I'm not okay, sure watch. but it's possible this is my hypothesis I have to make a note of that going forward so uh questions in newbie's uh, notes it sounded like many sentences were ending with question marks <laughs> Spencer <laughs> I mean I feel like most of these are just I'm guessing the things that will be answered going forward about um <laughs> I'm guess is it reasonable for me to assume that Sirius Black is a wizard? Is a wizard of some kind? Is he the prisoner of Azkaban that that has been referenced? Yes, we learn we learn that in the next chapter through various means and devices. Yes. Okay. Is it a regular thing that the Ministry maintains connections with the Muggle world in this way, seemingly through some degree of formal channels? Um. Yeah, it is. We learn that more later, but I don't think it's like a super spoiler. You'll learn the exact mechanisms of that, which are like kind of funny um, later. But it, it is the, it is true that there are formal channels by which the Ministry of Magic communicates with the government of the United Kingdom. Gotcha. Okay. That I mean that makes a lot of sense in terms of having a for, that kind of formal structure in place. I just don't think they previously talked about it. No, they have not. Um, and it does get it does get fleshed out a little bit more, kind of how that happens and who actually has contact. Uh, but I think that it. It's not too much of a spoiler to say, yes, there are mechanisms by which if something happens, something dramatic happens in one realm or the other, they can communicate with each other. I was about to call it the red phone between, you know, like the White House and the Kremlin, but there wouldn't be a red phone equivalent in the Wizarding World now, would there? No, you'll figure out how this happens. It's very late in the series, but it is... Is it a red flu? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No. Uh, I think, well, maybe I can tell you this because at least we know that this mechanism exists in the world. Uh, it is through a portrait. Oh, God. <laughs> of course it is. Like the Lincoln bedroom portrait just starts talking to the president. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, no, this is the prime minister. I don't, I, don't know, I, don't, I don't know number 10 well enough to know what's there. No, I didn't. Well, it, that will get explained. But it, it, it's a portrait that is the sort of mechanism of communication. It'd be really gotcha. funny if it was in, like, the royal palace and it was, like, an old king or something. Just, like, <laughs> usually just sits there normally, but every so often gets up and 
it's like, all right, something's going down. We need to tell <laughs> oh, you about Oh, I would this. like the idea if it was like, because it was set up so long ago, it is the portrait talks to the queen. And the queen then has to go figure out how to convince the prime minister without sounding like she's losing it. (laughs) What is going on? Wow. I would love to see that short film done. So the question is, like, how many... Did all English monarchs speak at least reasonably good English in the past, you know, couple hundred years? Because I could see that not being the case given... Uh, I mean, if you go back to the original Hanoverians, they spoke... They diligently tried to learn English, but it was a rough road to start for the first George the First, George the Second. Um, <laughs> That's what they, I thought. Of. Uh, I mean, they, George the First learned English very consciously, very diligently. But when he started, no, he was he was Hanoverian. <laughs> he spoke German. Yeah, um, that, that'd be really fun to see play out. Uh, you got a question, BJ? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of already been addressed a little bit, but I kind of wanted to ask and comment on the fluid rules of magic. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, if Harry Potter thinks hard enough, like what he wants happens, and initially that was out of his control, and mm-hmm. we sort of chalked it up to wild magic, kind of. This isn't. I yeah. mean, this might be like a leak of something that he intends, but like mm-hmm. there's clear intent rather than like extra magic just sort of happening around him. And I guess that's yeah. sort of like a. Is that like another school of magic that just isn't in Hogwarts anymore? Because this seems like something that would be incredibly useful if you didn't have to waggle your wand a bit and say words in the exact right way, but get the result that you need. Yeah, so this is actually, I think the answer to this is we actually get to the Venn diagram between kind of what what you were saying, Spencer, about this being advanced magic and and, and powerful magic and... Um, the kind of idea that wizards are more or less found out because they start doing magic that they can't, pretty low level magic, but they start doing magic that they can't control. Um, And what we find out in later books is that there is an advanced form of magic. Later classes start teaching it where you are essentially doing um, at least wordless spells. I think you're, if I'm remembering correctly, you are still using your your wand. I'm not sure if you. I, I think you have to. I I still think you have to use your wand in that case. Um, so the overlap isn't exactly precise here. But you start doing wordless spells, and this is particularly useful in a class like Defense Against the Dark Arts, where you don't necessarily want whoever or whatever you're facing to know what you're doing, right? Fair, and screaming out. Mm-hmm. Whatever spell you're casting at least gives them some sort of clue as as to what's coming, right? And so I think Mm -hmm. you're right, BJ, that this does somehow straddle a line between a kind of uncontrolled effusion of magic based on emotion and a a concerted... Well, it it straddles the line between an uncontrolled sort of emotional magic and a concerted effort to actually cast a spell because it it seems like it reads to me and I'd be interested to hear you both talk about this but it it's, reads to me like Harry kind of knew he could do maybe not this exact thing but something and dropped his guard when he chose to yeah I, I, that is essentially the read that I have on it and 
I guess I, I sort of also wonder if that's a, and I, I obviously we'll find out soon, but like why the ministry didn't address it in the same way, mm-hmm. because that's not like normal magic. It's not normal mm-hmm. leak and it's not normal spells. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Harry yeah. is like clearly very aware from the very beginning, like, oh shit, I just blew up my aunt. Like this is a thing. It's, it's an interesting point you make there, BJ, because it leads into my kind of question too, about I, I thought that maybe because this was not in the traditional category of spells, that maybe that's the reason the man- ministry's automatic system didn't come into effect. But it, in some ways it's closer to the spells we see that are wielded by like a Dobby. Where Dobby mm-hmm. doesn't, you know, say anything. He doesn't wield a wand. He just mm-hmm. wills spells to occur, and that's previously what he did in this damn house. And they caught that one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so we'll I, find out next chapter, I assume. We, yeah, man, that, 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 I don't know if it's next chapter, but it is certainly in the next two chapters. So, the reason that Harry has not already received his expel is your expelled notice is going to be explained going forward. Mm-hmm. Because, okay, then I, I won't ask more about it. Dumbledore weaves his Dumbledore wills. <laughs> well, that is an explanation, if that is what it comes to. But um, no, this is not... I think the, the real crux of the question, and you're too nice to ask it this way, Spencer, but it did J.K. Rowling forget that this is what is supposed to happen? Yes, that was the question I wanted to ask. And the answer is no, she did not forget that this is what is supposed to happen. Because, I, I mean, I didn't think that she did, because she straight up references it two pages earlier, of where she talks about, you know, him getting the letter. He thinks in his own head, i got to be careful with this, because that's what happened last time I did this. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but now I'm doing it twice? It's, why is Harry, of all people, getting preferential treatment? I mean, that's never happened before. If anything, he's been more under the microscope than anybody else before. Well, he does get house points randomly from one <laughs> with, person. Okay, Dumbledore is the one guy he's got. Is the one AC he has in the hole. It's the yes. one. Is one guardian angel. Mm-hmm. Everything else is opposed to Harry's existence. <laughs> it appears. Uh, Molly Weasley. Molly does yeah. really like Harry. <laughs> Molly really does like Harry. This is the true. Weasley girls all like <laughs> all two, all of, two them. of them. Yeah, For but, now. Previously, the way that we found that they expressed their their like and support of him is through uh, scratchy sweaters and bad poetry. So that's about the level of support we're getting from that, that corner so far. Well, it's well meant. Yeah, of course it is. But, um, Sarah, do we do we have hopes of getting away from the Dursleys come next chapter? Well, Harry just ran away, so... Yeah, they could run him down. <laughs> they are not interested <laughs> oh, in so doing. Goodness. <laughs> Yes, we are. I, I think I can reliably tell you that we are away from the Dursleys for the rest of this book. I'm happy to see it. I will brace myself for the time we see them inevitably at the start of the next book, because I'm re- emotionally done with them so far. Perfect. Uh, BJ, any more questions from you? Uh, no. no <laughs> We're no, just no. ready to be done with this chapter. <laughs> we are done with this chapter. But the next chapter is the night bus. The next chapter, I... It is, I am, I, well, I won't prescribe what you should feel about this chapter, but I suspect, well, BJ, I can't predict anything about what you are going to think or feel <laughs> at any given moment. Spencer, I will suspect, I suspect that you will like this next chapter. I mean, I, the name alone has got me intrigued enough. Or if you're a Monty Python fan, it's the Knigget bus. <laughs> that too. But looking forward to it, y'all.